I'm your host, Stephen Gutteridge, and welcome to Mid-South Moments. We welcome back two members of the successful Team USA trivia team today. Friends of the show, Phil Stigall and Terry Canova are here. How are you doing today, Phil? I'm doing very well, thank you. Good stuff. Terry, how are you doing and how are the nerves? I should, I should point out that we're taping this just a few hours before um, the Saints divisional playoff round game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So hopefully by the time you're listening to this, the Saints will be in the NFC Championship game. So Terry, how are you feeling at this, uh, at this moment? It's, uh, you know, this podcast is great because it gives me an hour or so to try and calm myself. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I see a couple Bloody Marys in my future. I, I, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big, big game, you know, and, and, and this could be Drew Brees' last game ever for the Saints, mm. you know, so uh, he's, he's been our franchise. And so it's, it's big. And, you know, Tom Brady's great. And we've beaten him a couple times already, so it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be a great day. What's what's the um what's the rules in in New Orleans at the moment for attendance? Is is that is it possible? Is that possible or is it sorry? Is this in Tampa or is it New Orleans today? It, it, no, it's in it's in New Orleans. Yeah. Um, they again, I have season tickets. I was not selected. You know, it's, uh, okay, it's so it's like a ba- ballot thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a random deal. But I, I think they're letting in five thousand fans. Okay. And, and one of the, the nice things they did do, and when I say they, I'm talking about the goofy mayor of New Orleans. Mm. Uh, she allowed 500 extra uh, nurses and, and uh, physicians who have gotten the vaccine. Ah, they, how interesting. They, yeah. Yeah. They're letting 500 extra people in that, that are frontline workers, you know, in the hospitals. Yeah. So uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, that's that's really great. I was going to ask, um, I'll ask you, Phil, first, and obviously you're a big Sooners fan. Do you have any um, sort of uh, uh, superstition stuff that you do before a big, you know, before a big uh, Sooners game? Is there any sort of routine you have or like special, uh, you know, special jersey or something like that? Or are you not into the superstitious stuff? I, I can tell you uh, both and one of my sons, uh, there have been times where maybe we had a horrendous loss where I was wearing a certain shirt. I may not wear it again during a game. Yeah, yeah. Or we won uh, two or three times in a row. Let me tell you what my good luck charm has been this year. You're going to like this. But also, before I f- failed to mention it, you're on Facebook. Terry has posted a video today that you must see. Oh, has it? Okay, it I'll have a look. Yeah, yeah. Full Saints outfit, his Saints blazer, his Saints <laughs> shirt. He's modeling his complete, he's head to toe New Orleans Saints. You must see it. Oh, I'm gonna so what? A, yeah, I will have a look at that. Yeah, great. So what What happened this year with Oklahoma Sooners was they they, they started off the season um, with the winter two, and then they haven't lost two games in a row in, you know, years, decades. And they, mm. they lost two in a row. And it looked like they, that can completely tank you in college football. One loss is bad enough. Two, you're probably not going to get a chance to go to your own conference championship game. And it looked horrible after those two games. After that, they won on a a nine-game win streak. And there was one thing that was different. After that second loss, your nephew, Dan, started talking to me. Oh, yeah. I'm going to. I'm going to become a soon. He's not. Fan, sorry, but, sorry, Phil. I should just point out he's not. Dan's not my nephew. Actually, J- J- James is the nephew. So that Dan James, is just. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I'm so sorry. I see so many pictures of you all together. I got it confused. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. No, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. That's all right. Sorry, right. Dan. Sorry, Dan. I apologize. He may be listening <laughs> to this. Sorry. 
He hasn't got oh, any damn. Guthridge blood, uh, but uh, yeah, he's got yeah. he's uh, yeah different different. Uh, he's we we grew up very close to each other actually, so there's probably something some similarity in there somewhere. I'd imagine. Right. Oh, I apologize, but but Dan decided he was messaging me saying, you know, Jr's pushed the Sooners. Uh, I'm going to start watching Sooners, and I said, this is horrible. This is a terrible year to start watching the Oklahoma Sooners, and they didn't lose a game since. Oh wow! Okay, so he's the good well, luck charm, go. isn't he? Yeah, he's he massively he's into it. He, he watched. I, I used to watch a lot because I, I found that I think I've said this on the show before. I used to watch a lot of NFL when I was growing up, particularly when I lived with my parents, and it was like a Sunday evening thing for us here because I think that what the six o'clock game would be. No, the early game would be six o'clock here, and then the you know the, 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 it gets later throughout the day. But it's quite, if you've watched other sports during the week, like it's quite an unsociable time here to be saying, "Oh, actually, I really you know I want to watch some NFL on a Sunday evening when you're just about to go back to work." So I've kind of fallen away from it. But I know Dan is he's a big Cowboys fan and everything. What about you, Terry? Have you got yes. any superstition stuff before before games that you go to? You know, I honestly am not very superstitious. Um, the, the the outfit that uh, Phil alluded to, I pulled it out the closet, and, and believe it or not, I think the last time I wore that jacket was that horrible, horrible Saints defeat to the Rams Uh-oh. in the Uh-oh. championship. So, obviously, I'm not superstitious at all. Uh, I don't think I have anything at all to do with what happens today. Mm. So, uh, so, so I'm I'm good. I think that's the better way to be. I used to be terrible. I tell you what, the, the two, so, um, you, you know, you know the, the football World Cup and stuff that's on, you know, on TV and stuff. So it would be in one country. So in 2006, me and a lot of friends went to Germany for the Football World Cup to follow England around the country, basically. And and that and the European one two years ago, I'd, if England won, I'd wear the same outfit. I'm, I'm talking boxer shorts, socks, certain pair of shorts, right, whatever right. England shirt it was. And if England drew, I'd throw it all out and start again. So, yeah, obviously we, we didn't win either of those tournaments. So it didn't, it didn't do many, uh, many, me any favours or the team. Um, we have to have our customary COVID check-in here now, obviously, because we haven't, we, haven't, we haven't caught up, I don't think, since probably before Christmas. Uh, how, how are things looking where you are now, Phil? Well, now we're going through – anything in Oklahoma seems to come so much later than the rest of the country. Being in the Midwest with smaller populations, more spread out, city of a million, but we're so spread out. Um, so we're going, uh, we just been through the past month, the real peak of all the, the positive tests and everything. Mm-hmm. Nobody, uh, nobody too close uh, to home, not really any family members uh, struggling with it, but uh, that we had had a uh, couple of months ago, they were, looked like they were going to enforce some more stricter lockdown rules. And then it came just bars got to close 11 PM pubs got to close, you know, cause we all know that COVID doesn't, it waits till 11 15 you know <laughs> yes. so yeah. but you know i do got some being a uh playing in bands all my life i do know some folks that own some clothes that put on live music and it really 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 hurts them yeah whereas it doesn't hurt some other businesses you know yeah. so how about you Toe? How, how are things looking where you are now i am happy to announce that i have had covid oh really I, so you're immune now pretty much yeah <laughs> about a three-month window um you know i'm diabetic and so um you know, it was a little bit nerve wracking for me when mm. when I when I found out I, I was positive. And ironically, the, the symptoms I had was a, a low grade fever and a and a, a horrible backache. Mm. And and I kind of wrote it off for a couple of days. And then the only th- reason uh, that that that, you know, kind of solidified that I had it. I looked in my medicine cabinet and I had a bottle of peppermint oil. And I pull it out and I smell it and it was nothing. 
And wow, so I brought, okay. yeah, I brought it to my wife and I said, Hey, Kim, can you smell this? Is this any good? She goes, yes. I was like, Oh no. So I went and got tested. I was positive. Uh, I had some great doctors uh, that I even got the uh, IV infusion. Mm. Uh, I, I've got, I get, they gave me a special, it was a one dose pill uh, to help uh, with the, uh, the viral load. And, uh, you know, so, so I, it, for me, it was like I had, um, you know, a flu or yeah. a cold for, you know, a week, 10 days. But, uh, you know, thankfully, you know, I was very, very lucky. And uh, now I feel like Superman now. Good. It's a sense of smell. Everything's back now, is it? Yes. Yes. Good. Since good. That's really, really good. Because I know, I know a friend of ours who lives in New York, actually, and he got it in the first, you know, the first wave. In I have, Sorry, go ahead. This question for Terry is uh, a type one or a type two diabetic. I am. I am insulin dependent. I wear a pump. Uh, the reason I, I answered the question like that is I did not find out I was diabetic until I was about 38. So uh, wow, 15 okay. years ago. So I was not born with it like generally type ones are. Uh, but I am insulin dependent, so I consider myself a type one uh, mm -hmm. because I, I do I do wear a pump. Well, you show it up for those who don't know. Terry's a he's a coach, probably uh, very active, but he's slender. You know, most most of my family and relatives at all who are, are type two, who the COVID obviously is very bad for as well, generally pretty heavy. But Terry's fit; he's in shape. Yeah. I wouldn't say in shape. I, I wear loose. <laughs> <laughs> I took all of my clothes. I put on so much weight. I mean, I, to be fair, so I've got a little, and I say gym, I'm talking like a bench and some weight. So you can't call it a gym, but I've, because I've been at home the whole time, I've put on a bit of weight and most of my clothes don't, and I've, put, I've been eating obviously as well, home cooking all the time. Um, I've put on a bit of weight. Most of my clothes don't fit me after this, but there's that. But we, we as you know, um, we're in lockdown, or you may or may not know, we're in our third full on lockdown here. So you know, nothing is open, no non-essential shops. You can't travel out of your local area, no household mixing, um, you name it. So, um, yeah, we're, 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 um, we're on the vaccine train. I'm pleased to say that my mom, and God, God bless America for the Pfizer vaccine, because my mum has got the good one. She's had the first jab of that. So in three weeks' time, she's 91% protected. So I'm very, very pleased about that. So it's because our one, the AstraZeneca one, isn't quite as good as the Pfizer one. So, yeah, we got a good, good lot of the Pfizer one first, which is good. Hey, before we get started, I do want to mention about the Pfizer one. Mm. Uh, so yeah. my wife, several months back, she participated in the Pfizer study. Mm. Uh, now, we don't know if she got the vaccine or the placebo. Mm. However, when I got the, when I was diagnosed with COVID, uh, we never isolated. We slept in the same bed. We, we would, you know, we sent my son away and, and you know, it was just us. But we never isolated from one another, and she is fine. Wow, that's so, great. Yeah, yeah, we feel like she also got the Pfizer uh, vaccine, and and not knock on wood, she's yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. That's good. We're coming out of it now. We can see. Yeah, it's going to take a few months, and the world with international travel might be a bit different for a while. But we are, you know, we're starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel now. And talking of light at the end of the tunnel, that that takes us nicely onto this. January the 19th, 1985 episode of Mid-South Wrestling, which I thought was, you know, I, I, I like to pick some good ones for you guys to review. And I think we I think we got a good one here. So the bit that I don't understand on these YouTube ones and the WWE Network dates were off for a bit as well, but I think they're back right now, is they're all labeled as Thursdays. But do, do you guys know of any anywhere that showed this show on a Thursday? No, we were Saturday in the world. Yeah, I think no. you were Saturday as well, Phil, weren't you? Yeah. 
Yeah, it was. And there was a period of there, there was a period of time where they you would catch it on a, a Saturday, uh, and then the next week we had a period of time where maybe the Friday night going into Saturday morning they replayed the previous week's show, so we'd see yeah. it twice. So, so yeah. but I there's a point in here I'm going to bring about Jim Cornette mentioning something on these promos. They may have been videoing these on Thursdays. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's right. So perhaps this was the, this was the tape day. It's just, it's just really, really odd because obviously this is some, as we saw from this episode, and we'll talk about this, this is clearly the, you know, the New Orleans um, television station version of this, someone's right. VHS, I presume. So yeah, it's just a bit odd that they're, they're misdated. But yeah, this is the, the January 19th um, episode of the show. And because we it would air at different times. In some markets, it was Saturday, some it was Sundays. You wouldn't yeah, have because when it was on TBS for that run, um, uh, yeah, TBS for that run, it was Sundays, wasn't it? I believe, right. which was the same show that was in other, you know, the other localized markets on Saturdays. But yeah, it's just a bit odd. But Boyd Pierce and Bill Watts are here, the the kind of A team commentary. Um, the Mid South Tag Team titles will be on the line um, with two referees overseeing the Rock and Roll Express versus the Alamo Busters. Watts also said that last week the North American title match went to a TV time limit draw. Steve Williams was very upset. However, Grizzly Smith had already. Signed a North American title match for this week between Brad Armstrong and Ted DiBiase. Uh, Watts then recap the superb goings on last week involving Jim Duggan and the Lucian Picard cufflinks he was given um, as a gift and Ted DiBiase running him down. Did you guys catch that uh, that segment last week? Uh, the Joel Watts stuff. It's just uh, it's just the best thing I've seen. Ever, we did. I did. I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah, I had to go back and see it again. Yeah. So so good. Classic stuff. Yeah, just that hug, the hug that Joel gave. Yes. We yes. were talking about, yeah. uh, Phil and I were mentioning about the office at the US office and like some of the awkward com- comedy in that. And that that reminded me of like a sketch in that and someone sort of hugging someone, just 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 unbelievable. He's what? going in for a hug and and stepdaddy won't stepdad Bill Watts won't have a won't have any part of it. Yeah. Watts no sold that like it's a job a comeback, basically, didn't he? So um, <laughs> we we throw to the ring where Jim Ross is standing with uh Duggan in a brilliant white three-piece suit and red bow tie and an unidentified and unintroduced young blonde lady is on his arm. Um, in Duggan's hand, he has a long, narrow gift wrap box. Um, so Ross complimented Duggan on his suit and Jim said he wants to thank everyone for the gold cufflinks and his family is very happy that he's finally dressed up nice. He said DiBiase talks about him lying down in the back as a drunken bum. Was his original character like more like that in Mid-South? Because I never I don't really understand where this comes from. Do, do, do you guys remember that? Uh, I, I don't think I don't think uh, he he had that in his character. Yeah. However, you know, DiBiase would always kind of write him off as this sloppy bum. Yes. You know, yeah. I think more DiBiase than the storyline itself. Sure. Okay. Well, and 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 a couple of years earlier, it wasn't a, a drunken bum character, obviously, but it was you know it was the hippie talk. You know, yeah, alluded yeah. to his his long hair and his dirty clothes and uh, maybe smoking something that wasn't legal at that time, you know, that kind of, so they made those allusions to him. And I think the time that he jumped him in the parking lot, they tried to accuse him of man being drunk and not, yes. not showing up. Yeah. Not showing up. Mm-hmm. That, that incredible episode where Duggan came out in the crowd. I mean, it must've scared all, scared all the, the women and children. And, I, and a, yeah. lot, a lot of the guys as well, I think when he came out, he called, but he called him Godzilla in a suit and on that suit, you know, those, the 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 white gloves and the tails 
was over the top for any, like all the weddings I'm attending back there were some cheesy tuxedos with roughly shirts, but nothing. I didn't know anybody that wore uh, white gloves. And so I put, no. so you think, well, who is this? Some fancy Englishman is my note here. <laughs> but can I've never a, worn a white suit like that. So yeah, not, not, no. Uh, comment on the, on the, on the gal that's with him there. Oh yeah, go ahead. Okay. And I'm checking and I sent a message to someone earlier. I'm 90% sure that's his current wife to this day. Oh, how interesting. Now okay. I will check and see the, the, the pictures I see now look an awful lot like her a lot. Mm. Let me tell you that haircut, when she got that haircut at this time in America, all the ladies were wearing this. They'd walk in and say, give me the princess die princess Diana. That, 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 yeah. that, 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 uh, dress, that haircut, it was inspired. Uh, my female friends at that time, the woman I went on to marry, they set their clocks in the middle of the night to wake yeah. up to see princess die, get married live on television. Do I think that's, you watch- sorry, go ahead, Phil. Go ahead. No, no, say so that, that everything about that woman is inspired about princess die yeah it's funny you mentioned that because i'm literally i don't know have you guys caught any of the crown on i don't know if this is a thing that really like america's yeah i haven't seen it how about you terry have you caught any of it no i haven't i I mean i I, I get i mean i guess as you know it's it's, it'll be a very entertaining show for you guys but you know growing up here with with a royal family and stuff and i would i was born the same year as a Charles and Diana marriage, which which I, a wedding, which I know was huge, and then all the scandals and everything that came after that. And when she passed away, was just uh, you know, the most unbelievable day here. You know, when you know, the, I remember like our version of Nickelodeon shut down and stuff. Like I know, I know that sounds ridiculous, but to a fourteen-year-old as I was at the time, flicking through the channels, like glued to the news channels, and like you just remember all these you know, it's kind of like, it gives me chills down my spine thinking about it now, just a horrible, horrible day. But I've just today been watching the Crown episode where they're about to get married. So it's funny that's, that's come up today. So um, I do I do recommend it, but you know, it's uh, it's a very, you know, very British show, but some some, some really interesting um, performance in that. But yeah, I completely get that from the haircut. Um, and that's really interesting. That's, you know, potentially his wife. And when he says, when Duggan said that he's got a fine lady on his arm, I think they got a really big pop from the crowd as well. I don't even notice that, but the crowd's just like, yeah, great, fantastic. We're like so yeah, pleased yeah. For, for Jim that he's got himself a nice girl. Right. Um, so he said he's got some fine clothes as well. And he opens the box and he says he knows how to treat a lady and he has the gift of 12 beautiful roses which he presents and then the girl in question um he, she, she cradled it like a newborn baby those those flowers she's like this is just a great gift i've got here thank you so much jim um duggan says that dvrc always has a big mouth about uh duggan having no class and he says there's a lot more about class than buying fancy clothes so after he says this dvrc approaches the ring and duggan advises the ladies to step back and not get messed up in this and um, dvrc gets on the mic and calls Duggan, as you said, Phil, a Godzilla in a suit. He admits it's a nice suit, but it's like putting it on a scarecrow out in some cornfield. Duggan then says he came down there to say hello to his people and thank them. It's such a great line from DiBiase. Thank them and starts taking off his jacket. DiBiase then accuses him of losing his composure as we get a shot of Williams in the background. And DiBiase continues and he says he notices his tie is the same colour as his neck, red. He then, he then says something about his cummerbund, but I didn't catch this line. Did either of you catch it? Because the sound went funny. What did he say? Yeah, go, go ahead, Phil. He said, where did you get the cummerbund? This is, it, now, what he's doing here is going to make fun of his large belly. Yes. Where did yeah. you get your cummerbund from Omar the tent maker? Ah. Which we, back in the day, the insults about, hey, you know, 
where'd you get your dress tent shop you know oh, i see okay okay good cool because I, I rewound that a couple of times and I, just, I guess i wouldn't have got the reference so i just didn't i could just couldn't make it out but um Diviossi says he ought to rip that suit off of his back and Duggan says he wants to remind them that he's from New York and when he did go out he came prepared and he produced a stick out of the rose box um and then I thought I just thought this was a great um back and forth as, as uh Diviossi and Co scattered um, between the two guys and um, Phil first what do you think of this uh this opening segment oh brilliant it was really yeah. good you didn't see, you know when when you when you see a prop come out, you think somebody's going to come destroy the flowers. Yes, you yeah. know something. Or if somebody gets handed a trophy, the trophy's going to get destroyed. Somebody gets a a nice jacket, somebody destroys the jacket. But he used it to hide. She was obviously uh, prepared. She slipped that to him like a like a track star getting a baton from behind him. You know, <laughs> so so I, I I liked it. I did. Yeah, really good. What did you think, Terry? Well, well, like you guys said, I, I do believe that is Hacksaw's current wife. I actually had a chance to, to, to meet her, and you know, when she was with him at some meeting greets. Uh, I believe that is her. I, I will say this, though. Uh, she may be better now. She was not a skilled actress at the time because <laughs> she so awkward. Uh, she, she did not want to be in a ring, I don't believe. Uh, and the other thing I took from it, was here is Duggan in a white suit. There is a very high probability that there will be some blood that will show up beautifully on that suit. So, so I was expecting a, a, a gash and, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll see some of that later on. Yeah, that would be the, the prohibitor for me for wearing any kind of... I mean, I've, I've worn a light grey suit to a wedding before, but even that I thought was fraught with potential disaster. Like, it only takes one spillage from you or somebody else and you're done for the whole day. You're worried about it all day. Mm-hmm. It was a white suit, crikey. I think I'd probably fall over in some mud within about 15 minutes of having that on, I think. Um, so back from break, Watts expanded on the last segment and said that whenever Duggan had to ride the A train home from a night out in New York, which is the most dangerous uh, train line, I say tube line, bit of an, bit of an English expression there, um, subway line, he would always have a stick with him. Um, in the ring the Guerre- uh, are the Guerreros, and in a huge surprise, Charvo says they have a, a manager there to help them, and I didn't know he was coming back, so making his return is Jim Cornette. Um, so, yeah, did you guys, I guess you did know that Jim, I mean, does he make other guest spots after this, do you know? Because I thought that was it for him, because obviously the Midnights are gone now. I don't remember, uh, of course, some of these run together. I've seen so many uh, videos since then, and mm. I don't remember. I'm like Terry. I don't remember what I'm remembering or remembering what I saw now. Because we, you know, right. both Terry and I attended a lot of these shows live. We certainly caught the the uh, the uh, videos as often as we could. Back when they first came out on YouTube, I watched them a bunch, and I remembered some of that stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was in the studio that day in that area, maybe yeah. some, something else. But, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it was an interesting one. So Charvo complained basically about the two referee situation, said that neither referee was Mexican. I thought it was a, a, a good line. Um, and, he, and Charvo also said they're going to pay Cornette with gold. And he says the, that's the way that Mexicans pay their debts with real gold. Um, Cornette says that no one knows more about the Rock and Roll Express than he does. He's just guided his men, the Midnight Express, to the American Tag Team Championship. And Cornette says he would do anything to get the Mid-South Tag Team titles away from the Rock and Roll Express. And he would have done it for nothing, but he would gratefully accept, obviously, the fee that he's going to be paid. Um, there's a big standing ovation next to the champions, and they're out in, in baby blue in an outfit almost exactly the same as the Rockers wore um, Summer Sam 1990s. I think uh, Marty and Sean were looking back over the classic Rock and Roll outfit and, and ripped that off, basically, for their, their appearance there. 
Um, so in this match, the second referee patrolled the apron uh, and early on, um, the in-ring ref consulted him and they ended up breaking up a submission move by the Alamo Busters. Um, what says that this sort of match is why this is the most watched wrestling show in America and says it's a show that even the insiders watch and there's a tremendous black market for tape trading on the east and west coasts for Mid-South shows in areas that don't normally know. I thought it was a really interesting line. What did you think of that, um, Phil, in terms of like him bringing up the fact that this is, you know, insiders watching and that's, a, you know, a funny term to be here on air as well. Plus obviously the, the early, early tape trading stuff, I guess. You know, and at that time I wasn't, aware of tape trading i wish it would have been and i've mm. heard other people tell stories about the tape trading and i wish i could have for those who don't know and I, i've heard jim Cornette talk about it uh when he was 17 18 19 years old just selling pictures at at the arena in memphis uh he had contacted i think he was part of pen pals off uh folks that were in the back of magazines advertising yeah. you know for pen pals and they started they would they would record their stuff on VHS, mail it, and, and you could get another territory. So if he's on top of it, you could have been getting VHS tapes from another territory. Yeah, big time. Did you did you ever get involved in that territory at that time or later around the whole sort of tape trading thing? No, I, I'm 100% with Phil. Um, I, you know, now in hindsight, I hear those people talk about that, and I'm, I'm really, I really regret that, that mm. I didn't know about that because I know there were wrestling conventions and there was these behind-the-scenes things going on and tape trading and and like phil i was clueless to all yeah. of that yeah me too i i didn't i mean we didn't again like it was so bizarre here because you, we, we had access to nitro but not the wcw pay-per-views and i guess there must have been people you could get those from but i never really thought about it and i mean it was all this is very early internet days i didn't have the internet till 2000 around that time for that first year i bought some tapes off ebay which i guess is kind of like a um you know a slightly modernized version of tape trading but yeah i, I kind of wish that i'd you know, ha you know, written away to someone in the mid nineties, and there's all sorts mm -hmm. of things that you could have discovered. And I'm sure it wasn't all that because a lot of the tape training stuff was reciprocal, wasn't it? So you would take you would take something for them, and and vice versa. So yeah, um, a bygone an era in terms of that stuff. Um, fans today have got it too good, and they all access to everything. I mean, crikey, yeah. I'm starting to starting to sound old as I approach my 40th birthday, moaning about the children of today. Um, so what says the fans are so loyal to the Rock and Roll Express, and they have changed tag team wrestling forever, and it's like being a rock show with all the beautiful young ladies cheering them on. There was a, su a superb, easy for me to say, string of drop kicks from Ricky at five minutes before the initial referee was bumped. Cornette gave something to Charvo. Um, Morton then kicked Cornette off the apron and Charvo smashed him over the head with a big bag of gold coins. And um, Robert could not break up the pinning attempt. And then in 557, we have, new, well, supposedly new tag team champions here. Um, Terry, what did you think of the match um, and, and the in inverted commas, as, as it appears to be at the moment, title change. You, you know, some of these arm drags in this, in this match was, was something else. I, mm. I, you know, sometimes you hear these people talk about, you know, like Ricky, Ricky Steamboat, he had this great arm drag. I was always under the belief that the arm drag, it was more important to the, for the person receiving it. Okay, because if yeah. you, you don't want to be arm dragged, you're not getting arm dragged. <laughs> True. And so, so the Guerreros, they really sold these arm drags from all different angles. And so I thought it was a pretty cool match. I think I mentioned the last time we were on, for some reason, when the Guerreros were on at the time, when I was living this, I must have been away and not watching because I, mm. I didn't remember them a whole lot in the Mid-South. 
until afterwards, you know, watching watching on video. But they are good, and and it's a really good combination with the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, big time. I really hope, and I'm sure there will be when I look, sort of look back at some Houston stuff in the in the future from around this time, where the t- where you've got the full length matches. Hopefully, there's a an Alamo Busters versus Rock and Roll Express full length. Uh, and what did you think of this uh, this film and the way they did this? Um, well, we we're led to believe title change. Obviously, we're spo- slightly spoiler alert, which right. we'll go into in a bit. But yeah, what um, did you think of this match? Very very good match, full of action. Uh, when you had me on a, a few weeks ago, the the Guerreros had just showed up, and I mentioned, you know, watch they're they're fresh. There's something something different every time mm. in their matches. Uh, and and Terry, to be fair, they did weren't there very long. You know, uh, when I think of the Guerreros, I think of them being you know from Houston or you know mm. uh, somewhere else. But they were there for a period of time always something fresh and new from the grouse. And then you, then when you pair them with uh, Rick and Robert, it's just a great match. There's yeah. not, you know, four excellent workers. There's no way around it. Uh, they, they made a comment in the promo about the U S doesn't pay their debts. It's like, Oh, well, it's a thousand <laughs> times worse now, but you know, they brought inside, so they brought in a new prop because uh, it was Dan again. I mentioned Dan again. He mentioned that every time you see the Guerreros, there's a new prop. There's yeah. something new. And, and again, there was this time they brought brought the bag of money or the washers that we find out it wasn't really money, but there's something different every time. And this match was a good match. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Next up, we've got something really exciting. We talked about this earlier on. So we got a local promo. This was this was a, a, a presumably just recorded straight off the television. Um, we got a local promo um, from Terry's neck of the woods, and it was Jim Ross advertising a show at the Uno Lakefront Arena, and re- the only Mid South Arena, actually the Superdome as well, that I've ever attended in person. And I got soaked in a rainstorm coming out of that after Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, in April eighteen. So I'm blaming you for that, Terry. That that soaking in your in your neck of the woods. Uh, I tell you what, it's a great arena for wrestling. I'm sure you guys, have, uh, I'm sure Terry, you've been there um, in terms of that, because it was one of those ones, we've got a few of those here, which is like, I guess it's probably like maybe 10,000, 12,000 seats, something like that. But the very back row is a good seat and everywhere in the bowl is a good seat. So um, yeah, it was really, really good place. I guess you've, you've been seen wrestling there, Terry, I presume? Yeah, and, and it would be UNO. It's the Oh, UNO. Sorry, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it's University U- of New Orleans, isn't it? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, the Lakefront Arena was kind of for us, we had the Municipal Auditorium, which was the main spot. Mm. Uh, of course, once in a while, it would be the St. Bernard Civic Center. Uh, those were a little smaller venues. UNO was a little bit bigger. Mm. And then, of course, Superdome. So so UNO actually was a bit of a treat for us. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Because it, 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 was, it wasn't... You know your typical every Monday night. Uh, it would it would kind of be a, a little bit of a treat. It wasn't the a super show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and so, uh, but yeah, so we we did some shows there, and actually, I got uh, as a as a college basketball coach, I had an opportunity to coach in that arena as oh, well. Oh, cool, yeah. But yeah, you you know, was it was a fun arena, and uh, a little further away from me, so we didn't get to go as often. But uh, but yeah, good stuff. Yeah, it was really, yeah, absolutely. And basically, so this I just thought this added such a different dimension to the show as you're, you know, if you're sitting there watching this at home, you're seeing the wider stories in the promotion, obviously, plus the matches specific to your location that you could go and, you know, whether you're phoning up Ticketmaster or, you know, I, I, I'm sure walk-up business was huge back then. You just walk up on the night and pay, pay your tickets and get in. Um, so we got a good promo from Dr. Death standing alongside Hercules. Um, and then there was back to Terry Taylor with Butch Reed alongside Ross, um, Taylor and Reed both looking really great in suits. Said they were going to weed out the trash 
And Reed said that what you do with trash is you set fire to it. And Reed said they used to trade a lot of fists of five, but now they're going to be together. Um, and Reed in the great line said, "There's someone he couldn't stand." And that was that, and it was the. It, Crikey, I've completely botched that. Reed said in a great line, if there's someone he couldn't stand, it was that sheep, that geek, Hercules Hernandez. So, yeah, I didn't do that justice. Um, as a hometown boy here first, Harry, what did you think of this local promo? I love it. Uh, you know, to me, and I think I've said this before, I enjoy the promos, particularly mm. the local promos, just as much as I do the matches in, in many cases. The the promos are gold. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, Butchery, you guys know how much I love Hacksaw yes. Butchery. And, and he, he's just, he was great on the mic. He, he, he just played the part well. So I, I could eat these promos up all day long. Yeah, absolutely great. What do you think, Phil? Oh, it was great to have him back on there and see these again, because we've talked about before that these have been missed. And what if you got any new, new, new listeners or new younger fans that don't understand, when they would go to commercial, Terry would see them talk about, Hey, I'm coming to, I'm coming to New Orleans to get you. I'm going to take you out at, at, at UNO. It's done for you. You know, it's, they would then refilm it and they'd say, Hey, I'm coming to Oklahoma city. And that's what I'd see. I'm coming to yeah. Oklahoma city to get you, you know, so they may have, they may have filmed this, um, uh, several times that same promo just that have different graphics and they name different towns. Jim Cornette. I heard listen to one of his podcasts, talk about this promo pot promo, uh, recording sessions uh, at Mid-South. And I think it was done on Thursdays. And so maybe all these shows are taped on Thursdays. Um, they're obviously not going to be taping or filming these on the nights they're, they're traveling and doing this. So, but he would talk about this would go on for hours all day. And uh, usually it was just off the cuff. Nothing was scripted. Uh, just occasionally they'd say, Hey, you can't mention that, or you can't do that. Um, so yeah, it's just really, really good. Um, this is the Butch Reed that was <clears throat> kind of in between. We talked about before how he, as a heel, he would get so over the top shouty. Um, Stephen, that you mentioned that before and you prefer mm -hmm. his more low key because it was more, it's more gripping, more serious, you know, less, less was more in his promos. Um, he mentioned something there. That's also an American reference. You may have not May may or may not know. You may have had commercials there, but he mentioned I'm like E.F. Hutton. I don't know if. if oh no, if I think that's that. Yeah, no, go ahead. He's he said I'm like E.F. Hutton. There's a famous commercial at the time. Of course, with fewer channels, everybody's seeing the same commercials during prime time, and it's commercial for you. You saw a bunch of businessmen having a power lunch in a busy, crowded restaurant. Lots of people sitting around eating. It's noisy. You're hearing the clanks of glasses and silverware, and they're talking and they're talking about stocks and bonds. And one guy says, well, "My broker says such and such," and the other guy says. Well, my broker is E.F. Hutton, and E.F. Hutton says, and the place goes dead silent. Everybody oh, turns okay. to listen. And so Reed's saying, I'm like E.F. Hutton. You know, everybody's going to listen when I talk. That's really, really great. That's really good. Cool. I, I just think, this, yeah, it was, it, was so, it, was, it was just really, really good. And I, I've said this a few times before. If this was in my, you know, if I was, you know, 20 and I was living in this area, I'm buying tickets to my show. And I think that's the, you know, perhaps that's the strongest recommendation for what these guys do. Because you just... We, of course you'd of course you'd go and see a light. I mean, crikey, I know we're getting we're getting ahead of ourselves. Of course you'd go and see a lights out match between the Rock and Roll Express and the Anime Buses. Of course you'd go and see Terry Taylor and Butch Reed and and, and Steve Williams and um and Hercules. Of course you would. So back to Watts after the promos, he talks about the referees being distracted, but um, but one referee being distracted, but Ronnie West did see, did say he saw a rule infraction. So Ross was in the ring with the three referees, or three referees at this point. 
He said that the gold coins were not gold and were in fact lead slugs, washers, he expanded. Ronnie said he knows there were two referees assigned and that he took a spill to the outside and he saw Carl Fergie make the pin, but there was an object used, so therefore they're going to render a disqualification. And as such, the Rock and Roll Express retained the Mid-South Tag Team titles. So this was quite an unusual thing to happen here, I thought, because the usual line in wrestling is that, you know, the referee's decision is final. However... I guess here, because there were two, they were able to use that as a plot device and kind of get out of it, if you like. So in the future, they say, oh, referees is in front of There's only one referee, so it can't be any other decision. So, Phil, what did you think of this kind of dusty-ish finish here? You know, it, and it was interesting because just a, in the few weeks past, they were talking about, we'll never use instant replay. Like the yeah. NFL was trying to go to the instant replay at the time. It's going to be to the referee's decision. But they covered that, like you just mentioned. Um so yeah, interesting um, turn of events there that's coming up. But uh, so, again, something different. It was, yeah, really different. Uh, what do you think of this one, Terry? In terms of the the, the, the kind of reversal and the, and the use of two referees, I, I, it was. I thought it was a little bit strange. They had two referees in the first place, actually. But uh, and, and the other thing is, they talked about. Um, I don't think I mentioned this. They talked about the fans having written in for this for the dream match competition yeah. and asked for two referees, which I thought was a little bit odd as well. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, it's it's like Phil said, you know, we, we've heard before, oh, we can't change. We don't we can't use instant replay. And now they do this, you know, but but again, I, I thought, you know, at the time it's like, oh, man, you know, good, good. Yeah, man. yeah, the, exactly. The w, WCCW had just gone through a period of having some matches with two referees with the Von Erics and the Freebirds. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So they maybe, maybe fans did see it. Maybe they wrote in, maybe they didn't. Uh, maybe they're just copying WCCW, but for the television show, it certainly took the viewers on an emotional roller coaster. Mm, yeah. All of this. You, you, yeah. Cause you thought, you know, you thought your, um, you know, your heroes had lost the titles. Um, and obviously that it was reversed. You were pleased about that. And you think, well, actually, I'm, I want to, you know, I want to pay to see the the rematch here. So, um, yeah, good, yeah, it was it was unusual, but I think it was done, you know, done well. Um, Jim Powell and Josh Stroud versus Hercules and Dr. Death next. And Watts puts over how much Stroud, has, uh, how much weight Stroud has put on a muscle. And that he's going for, do I get this right? Try out in the USFL at the Florida team the following week. Did you guys I catch think that's that? What I, I think yeah. that's what I heard. I didn't make a note. So did, yeah, I wonder. Yeah. I wonder if he. Do you know? Do you know if he if he had any success, Josh Stroud, in terms of uh, football over there? I don't know. Uh, no, I don't. I wonder if he was. U, if he, USFL if he was successful. Did, USL, USFL didn't last long enough for anybody to have any success in that. So I don't know. <laughs> so we can look him up and see. I'll if I find anything on him, I'll. Yeah, do let me know. I did, I did wonder. Yeah, I did wonder. Um, so, yes. So, basically, um, what Watts talks about the reverse of the tag team titles and calls it a tremendous decision. Um, and there's lots more action to come. And plus, Watts says they've got a video on, on what he calls the new Butch Reed. Um, Williams won this in 2013 with his Oklahoma Stampede running power slam. Not a huge amount to this. Um, Terry, any thoughts on this, uh, this tag team match? Just that uh, Josh Stroud had an impressive build. I yes. mean... Dude was jacked. I, I'm I'm surprised, and 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 maybe he did somewhere that I'm unaware of. But I'm surprised, even if he couldn't do a promo, put the dude under a mask or yeah. something, get him a mouthpiece because he was an impressive looking cat. Yeah, I agree. I wondered if he'd been introduced to the the Titan Sports 
protein shakes in inverted commas at all there. But yeah, he was he was particularly um particularly big and also cut, wasn't he? What did you think of this uh, tag team match, um, uh, Phil, on this one? Yeah, well, Terry just made an excellent point because they could have done with Josh Stroud what they're doing with Hercules Hernandez. They're not letting Hernandez talk in the promos at all, and there's a reason. Yeah. You know, which is uh, smart. I just wonder how that conversation goes. Listen, you can't talk on the mic. You know, we, we discuss this now that we know the yeah. jargon of the business and how it works, and someone's got to have the the look, the ring ability, and talk on a mic, you know. And if you can't talk on a mic, you're given a manager or a partner that could talk. So how did that conversation go back in the day? Listen, we want to use you, but you just got to shut up. <laughs> I mean, I guess I know what you mean, but I <sighs> – do you know what my 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 immediate reaction to that is if I was making good money and living the life and I didn't and that was one less thing I had to do then maybe sure. that's not the end of the world I suppose yeah. you could be a top you know you could be a top heel and say almost especially like you know some of the WWF guys um, I mean crikey what I mean I, I, I don't know why Andre the Giant popped this one but Andre the Giant I mean Heenan was his mouthpiece and he did he did cut the odd promo but Heenan was his mouthpiece and you know that run with and they didn't have to do a lot of house show matches with Hogan obviously the matches he did do I'm sure he made a huge amount of money on that and you just think well actually if you can you know if you're not i mean today it's it's less of a thing but if you could have i mean brock lesnar would would he's he's actually a better example lesnar would turn up stand in the ring with Heyman. he'd probably be on raw 10 times a year making multi you know multi-millions and millions of dollars and do nothing basically and it's just one more thing that you know i just stand there looking look big basically and that's it so it's good work if you can get it i think um well well how about like like Robert Gibson. Yeah, you yeah, know, Robert doesn't do anything, does it really, in terms of promo. You know, it's all on Ricky, yeah. Would, would do all the talking. Robert yeah. Gibson would kind of shake his head and <laughs> that was that was it. Right. And there's right. a really good one later on in this show, actually, in terms yep. of the, in terms of local promo. So Dale VC is in ring when we get back from the break, and he is up against Iceman King Parsons, who gets his, gets a, a usual good reaction to his We Are Family um entrance and then we've got a little television station logo on this so channel 26 wgno so c- can you remember this station terry and, and what other sort of stuff would be on here around the sort of time is this a sort of local local station or a local affiliate or something at the time yes uh you know so it, it we had the abc nbc and cbs affiliates wgno was kind of like that other one oh. um and, and uh, I don't remember what else was on there, uh, I, honestly. But uh, but yeah, that was our wrestling station, mm. uh, you know. And, and it was uh, you know it, it was Channel Twenty Six. Yep. Yeah. Channel Twenty Six. What, what and what time was this on Saturday? Was it Saturday mornings? Yeah. yeah I want I want to say it, it was it was around noon, eleven o'clock yeah. Saturday mornings. Um, again, excuse my fifty three year old brain. No, don't worry. It's, uh, my, you know what? It's, it's it's different. Some some things I can remember well, but some things I've just got no, I've just got no idea on it on at all now. And um, Phil, what would you remember? Was that similar sort of time time to where you are around around lunchtime on a Saturday? Yeah, often wrestling was was Saturdays around noontime. Most of the television shows were it start off with Saturday morning cartoons, mm. and yep. and then either. Uh, a wrestling program uh, at high noon and then followed and one of the other channels would have uh showed couple square dancing and there wasn't there wasn't much on uh wow, you know, so, just... the ob- <laughs> so the obvious pick was wrestling then wasn't it um though i must be honest i am i your version of it is dancing with the stars but i, I have i have what well, as as is strictly come dancing it's a slightly different name and um, but i have been partial to that over the years on on occasion but i think that's probably slightly more exciting than than couple square dancing but i could be wrong could be wrong about that either you fans of dancing with the stars 
I have never seen it. I've never seen it one time. I mean, I'm aware of it. I'm aware. Terry, that that sounded like a little bit of a buying signal from you there. I think have you have you have you dipped in on that one a few times? You know, I, I I've I've watched it maybe once or twice, uh, but uh, unless there's somebody on there that's a you know. Uh, you know, if yeah, I guess if The Rock showed yes, up on the, yeah, yeah. I'd peek at it once or twice, but uh, Josh, not- uh, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, Terry. I have breaking news. Uh-oh. Uh oh, I looked up something on Josh Stroud. While we oh, go ahead. Talking. Yeah, oh. perfect. Yeah, good, good. Uh, uh, he currently, according to that, I don't know how old this is, but he's got a a gym. He's a trainer. He uh-huh. was a former Ironman. He was former Mister USA. He was a pro wrestler and natural. Nutritionist champion, and it talks about it. Does say that uh, he went to Alabama A and M, got a degree in health and science, uh, middle school uh, wrestling school coach, uh, and then he mentions that he it says USFL player from eighty four to eighty five. So that wasn't kayfabe. He really mm-hmm. was in the USFL. He was Mister USA nineteen eighty three. So went on to become a certified trainer and bodybuilder. There we wow. go. Information on Just Strap. Yeah, good stuff. Excellent. So um, back on to this uh, Dale Vesey and Ice-Making Parsons. Um, what's, his on, what's on commentary? Um, and he says that one of the greatest things the fans have ever seen was Duggan and Butchery putting their difference aside to fight against uh, Skandar Akbar and his crew. And he's also mentioned that Parsons have come back from Dallas to join in with that fight. Um, I've mentioned this before, but Watts is just so good in this role. I mean, obviously, Jim Ross is a you know, top, top commentator, perhaps the best ever in wrestling, I would say so, certainly in my era. But Bill is just a different style. He's like a narrator. He just hits all the key points. He just takes you along this, this journey that I, I don't really think, I can't, you guys jump in, but I can't think of another commentator that does it quite like Watts does. Watts is like a documentary narrator with a bit of, you know, a bit of color with it as well. I, I can't think of any other wrestling commentator that does it quite like that. Well, I, I think uh, it's because this is his baby. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, so, so let's say I was writing a story and then I wanted to relay it to you and Phil, you know, it would take a long time for me to get it across to you so you could get it across to, to the fans. Mm. So, so what better situation than for Watts to come on every week or so or every couple of weeks and just fill in all the blanks. Yeah. And so you knew exactly what direction the promotion was going. Yeah, agree, agree. Well, well anything, anything to add on that, Phil, on uh, on Bill Watts's sort of commentary style? You know, that was such an excellent take on it. I couldn't improve on that at all. I do think part of, uh, and then I say that, I'm going to say this, part of Watts's being in control is that I think that's part of his personality. He might have been a little bit of a control freak. Yeah. What we call him that's a control freak, but it worked, and, and Terry is dead on. He is filling in the blanks and you know the story and it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Which is so, which is, you, you get this. And I, I, I watched, I've watched, I watched less WWE in 2020 than ever, any other year since I started watching. But you get a lot of that in you when you hear about things and read about things in WWE. It's like, well, it's only wrestling. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. It's like, well, no, what other, what other fictionalized form of it, you know, if you're if you're a big fan of 24 or something and you know Jack Bowers in California one minute and then one minute later he's in Japan and so that doesn't make any sense so why would you why would you not use the same rules for wrestling I think it's just wrestling wrestling is not difficult at its at its core AEW is a good example of that actually AEW are producing probably more often than not 
seven to eight out of 10 weekly shows. They're not blowing your, you know, blowing the roof off in terms of like rewriting what is wrestling. They're just producing more often than not solid, good pro wrestling. And it's just like the the big company, the you know, the, the one that everyone knows has kind of forgotten how to do pro wrestling, but what certainly knew how to do pro wrestling here. Um, so this this one was a short match again, and Parsons hits clothesline from the middle rope for 241 in the win. Um, just a normal squash here. Phil, any any sort of anything to add on this uh, Parsons and VC encounter? Not much. We knew Parsons uh, uh, from WCCW. He, uh, you know, fun to watch, athletic, like seen coming off the the, the second rope and things. Uh, it's it's it was a squash match, but he definitely had some good matches. Yeah, absolutely. Terry, anything to add on this one? No, same thing, same thing. Uh, we we knew him. He he was an uh, established star, world class. Uh, there's no JYD, so uh, you know, let's let's bring bring over an, another star and and uh, you know, see if we can't tap that some of that JYD audience. Absolutely. So we got another insert local promo here um, from Ro- for Jim Ross, first of all. And he says it's a lights out match has been added to the card in New Orleans. The Rock and Roll Express is the Guerreros. No tiles on the line. This will be unsanctioned. And the Guerreros complained about the outcome of the tag team match and the two referees. So this is so good that you've seen that. And then you're getting this is it's such a such a miss that we don't. I wish that these I'm sure they may. Maybe I'll have a, a look online and see whether I can get a version of these just the local ones but these local promos add so much so you've 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 seen the, the title change you've seen it go back and now you're getting the, t- the promos and then you get the match it's just such good stuff so um they complained about the obviously the the titles being taken away and the unsanctioned match so they'll probably win and it'll be taken away from them again and um, it cuts back to ricky and robert and ricky says they put up with all sorts of bull crap from jimmy Cornette. And they really messed up when they brought him down to the ring. Ricky says that the rules, with, with the rules, they can do anything they want to. No one around here owes them anything. And he guarantees in New Orleans, the Rock and Roll Express are going to pay their debts. I thought this was a superb promo from Ricky Mortal, which I've not done justice at all. Um, Terry, what did you think of these? Uh, this insert promo and this, this, you know, this build for the match? Yes, yeah, same, same thing. You know, uh, you know, he, he wasn't. They weren't. They're not Butch Reed. Mm. They're not Yasi, but. It's still great stuff. It's great TV. The, yeah. the, the pro, promos, you know, again, make make the show to me. Big time. Um, what do you think of this film? Yeah, enjoying seeing these promos so much. It's what's been missed. I'm really glad they're back. And this is what really, as you mentioned before, made you want to go to the matches. Yeah. Not just so much the TV show, but the promo, promos, because there's matches that, you know, you wouldn't even know about. Uh, just by watching the the TV show, we had to cut away to these so called commercial breaks. These promos, yeah, exactly. Um, it's, su- it's such a big. But you're right, Robert's part. not. They're not going to let Robert talk. Yeah, I'm not letting <laughs> Robert talk. But, but you know, he just it was it worked for them. Uh, it's not that he was terrible at it. He was just a strong, quiet type. Yeah, there's but, nothing. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and again, that's another thing. Um, and obviously, tag team wrestling was such a such a big thing then and and again in certain places it is still now but actually in you know wwe new japan they don't, they don't focus on tag teams too much so um you know it's it's good that obviously mid-south was a, was a promotion that did but that you know this is this is probably you've got two good looking guys here uh, both really good workers and, and ricky can cut a promo so why not put robert in a tag team with ricky because that's a perfect place for him whereas i think i think a lot of times now um 
people are kind of expected to be able, you know, you've got to be able to do everything. You've, you know, you've got to have the, you know, the, the Greek God body and you've got to be a super athlete and you've got to be 240 pounds. And you've got to be this, you've got to be that. You don't have to be, people can draw money. You know, Conor, Conor McGregor can draw money at 155 pounds or, you know, Andre the Giant can draw money at 500 and everything in between. It's just, it's about that intangible. It doesn't have to be, you know, you've got to tickle, tickle these boxes. Um, so next up, something I was very excited about. Um, it's time for the big North American title match. Ted DiBiase challenging Brad Armstrong. And Watts talked about both men being second-generation wrestlers and the fact that Ted's father had been fatally injured during a match, which I didn't know. Did either of you know that? Well, Absolutely. yeah, I, I think that's a little uh, artistic license. It is, uh, for sure. Yeah. yeah I, I, you know, he did, I think, pass from a heart attack or something along yes. those lines. But but I don't know that it occurred in the ring as they as they kind of make make out of being uh, Phil. Uh, um, yeah, I do know a little bit about the story. I don't know if the heart attack occurred in the ring or right after, but it was in the building or in, you know, ringside. Um, and Ted was about Ted Jr. is about 15 years old at the time. Trivia question for you. When Ted Sr. went down with a heart attack, who performed CPR on him? Oh, I know, I know this actually. So only because I've got it in my notes. But you go ahead, Terry, and have a have a guess. I think I know too. Uh, it was a Harley race. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah so I, I had no idea. I've, ne- I've never heard this, and never, never read this. Um, so Ted's adopted father, Iron Mike DiBiase, died in the well. It says in the ring. I think you're. I think what you guys have said is right. On July the second, nine sixty nine, in Lubbock, Texas, following a man uh, following a match with Man Mountain Mike. Um, as a result of a fatal uh, heart attack. And a Harley race performed CPR on DBS and then rode in the ambulance with him. And DBS was pronounced dead at the hospital. And um, again, I, d- I just don't, don't know really anything about this era. So I looked him up and Iron Mike was a champion in a number of promotions. Um, but perhaps most notably, he was the WWA world champion for a month in 1967. With So WWA was one of the big world titles at the time. And this was the one that was recognized in Los Angeles for a time between 57 and October 1968, when it became unified with the NWA world title. I um, mean, it started after Edward Carpentier, who I butchered his name, I'm sure, became yeah. recognized as a world champion in Los Angeles. This was following a defeat of Luthez by DQ in the early summer of 1957, which some NWA territories did not recognize as, t- as a title change. Hence, the WWA world title was born. So, yeah, this, this is, you know, that was a significant title then. So, obviously, this guy, and, and you know, cha- sort of champion all sorts of different places as well. So, um, yeah, really, really interesting, um, you know, story there that I just had no idea about. Um, but anyway, back to the match. We saw some great offense from Armstrong with his patented high landing drop kick. And there was a beautiful knee lift also from Armstrong that took me back to the heady early days of Mid-South and, and uh, that I was watching and Mr. Wrestling too. I'm sure he would have been proud of that. Um, and what says next week, Terry Taylor will be defending the TV title against Buddy Landell plus Billy Jack is there as Billy Haynes. He mentioned something about his name there, which I didn't catch. Something to, something to his, his father being unwell. Did either of you catch that? Because this is Billy Jack Haynes, who's like later in the WF, I presume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same same guy. Yeah, but catch anything out of the ordinary. No, did you did you catch it? Because I, I thought Watson said something about you know him as Billy Jack, but because something to do with his father, he's going to be here as Billy Haynes. But I, I just couldn't. The sound on this, the sound on this one was particularly difficult at, um, at certain times. I'll double so check it. It may have been down in uh, uh, before he came here i was more familiar with him in watching georgia promotion so mm. um, and he, he 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 was against hercules at wrestlemania three in quite a famous 
famous match. I think they both both used the full Nelson, I believe, as their finisher at the time. Um, so there was a beautiful, aggressive um, backslide from Armstrong before uh, just a brilliant. I've never seen a backslide done like this, where Armstrong sort of just dragged him down and forced him into the into pinning predicament. Um, and it looked like the ref was then after um, basically DiBiase got Brad into a pinning predicament. It looked like the ref was counting three as Watts protested that Ted was holding the title. Did you catch that? It was a bit of a weird moment, wasn't it, in terms of that? It was. I thought maybe that was going to be the finish, and, and Bill Watts was covering why he was able to uh, uh, to pin him because he's pulling the tights. Yeah, it was. Uh, odd, so I thought that was it? kind of it was a little strange, and because he said the referee's out of position and can't see it. Well, Bill Watts would have been out of position because he was facing him from on. You know? Yeah, ex- but there, exactly. there we go again to Terry Point. Bill Watts is going to fill in the story for you. Yeah. You're going to know. I, I think the referee might have maybe drop i think maybe the referee counted one more time than you know some human error or something i thought i think maybe he counted one more time than he was supposed to here and then kind of that's the way they sort of pushed it away um so uh what said that the handheld camera could take you right in the ring and you could do everything but smell the popcorn um, and armstrong got us this is a really long match for, for the mid-south tv show so armstrong got the sleep on at 7 30 um, but dibiossi managed to dive for the corner and slam armstrong's head right into the turnbuckle Ted then slid to the outside and pulled Brad with him, slammed his leg repeatedly against the steel ring post. Armstrong selling from the point he hit the turnbuckle was superb, and you could really feel the jeopardy that he was in. Um, DBOC did the classic figure four leg lock setup with elbows on the leg before locking in the move, and Brad, perhaps surprisingly, submitted in 9.07 for the win for DBOC to become the North American champion for the fifth time. And this was basically as clean as a whistle. I mean, you, you know, the, you could make an argument about the shots to the outside but this was clean wasn't it phil what did you think of this match and this title change here well uh the what you're talking about was what i noticed most about this match because it, it was it did appear to be clean and at this time brad is being pushed around the country he's one of the top guys in the nation on the india i mentioned this last time on the nwa rankings list he was about third or fourth for the mm. nation uh he's up there with Walhu mcdaniel and, and Rick Flair and a couple others. So he's getting a huge push. So I do believe they put some thought into it and had him wrap his leg around the ring post a couple of times so there could be an excuse why he did give up on the figure four. Yeah. And that's all I could figure on that. What did you think of the match and the, and the title switch here, Terry? Hey, so same here. I, I think I even made the comment one time where you will never see anybody win a, a star against a star with, with a finisher like that. Yeah. You know, what you might see is 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 interference, and then then the finisher, or the 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 the, the baby face pass out from the pain. That's but, what I thought it was going. I thought this was Ric Flair winning the title back from Savage, and he's done that a few times in '92. Yeah. Like he passes out with the pain. I, I I guess maybe they didn't have to. I, mean, I guess he'd he'd have to have sold for ninety seconds to a couple to a couple of minutes, and maybe they just didn't have the time for that perhaps. Maybe so, uh, but but to me, what this does is this is pushing DiBiase through the stratosphere. Yes, because because mentioned Brad is a big star, and and you know even though it was you had the ring post and you and you had that, that little bit of outside stuff, it was just a clean finish in the middle of the ring. Yeah, absolutely. I really like this. I, th- I thought, and, and DiBiase is, is such, I've said this a few times on the, on the show, it's such a pleasure to see DiBiase in this role. And I almost feel like, um, no, I don't almost feel like, I do feel like 
I, I kind of wish that he'd been, I know he had a big run with, um, you know, the WF afterwards, but I actually want, I actually feel like he should have done more. I think this guy should have been, you know, this guy should have been world champion somewhere. I, I just think that he was so good. I mean, we talk, we, we get another promo from him in a bit, but he was like, Every much the equal of Ric Flair on, on a promo, I thought, around around this time. I haven't seen enough of his, uh, you know, look probably longer form work in this this era. And I've seen more of his stuff later in his WF run, which is obviously excellent. But yeah, this guy is just, you know, class, isn't he, really? Um, we then cut to, so back, so back at the desk after break, Watts has a somber tone about DBS having the title. And we then cut to Butch Reed visiting the Children's Medical Centre on one of his days off. And Reed says he doesn't have too many days off, but when he does have one, he likes to do stuff like this. And this is all set to Louis Armstrong's We Have All the Time in the World. And I thought Reed's tone here just was spot on. He was super humble and really thankful for the advantage he has. Um, it then cuts into some more upbeat uh, music as Reed moves on to visit uh, the Tulsa Boys Home. And it shows the boys teaching Reed some break dancing, which is just a great, you know, great moment there. And he said it makes him happy that the country takes care of kids like this. Uh, and then it, it changes tone slightly to a more sort of patriotic piece um, about them standing up for their freedoms. And that's what he does against Akbar and his crew. Um, I probably didn't do this justice. It's, it's a little tough to hear some of this and some of Reed's lines, given the quality of the videotape. But this was really, really good. Um, we've got a special guest on the on the podcast there, uh, uh, Terry. What's is what's he or she called there? This this is Baggy, and uh, when when I come up to to the top floor, yeah, and he hears me talking, <laughs> she wants to be part of the act. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I, we've got two cats here. It's funny. One of my friends messaged me and said, "Was there? A, I don't know if you if you caught this, but apparently there was a meow on last week's episode, which I didn't hear. Yes, got headphones. Yeah. Oh, did you catch that as well? Oh, brilliant! Yes, so I need yeah, to go back yeah, and yeah. I haven't listened to it yet. So, want well, my cat Finn? If you close it, he hates doors being closed, and he'll start bashing on the doors and stuff. So I guess he meowed from outside the door. But yeah, well, welcome to the show, Baggy. So just to finish mm-hmm. this off, I, I, I was gonna say I thought this was like a bit like the Lex Express, but much much better with. Uh, with Butch Reed here. Um, Terry, what did you think of this segment with Reed? I think I think it's great. I think it shows the guys outside of the ring. Uh, it, it's it's solidifying Butch Reed is now uh, a baby face again, and he's doing good stuff and doing nice things uh, instead of a dastardly heel. And uh, I think it was always good when they showed some a piece like this. Yeah, big time. What do you think of this, Phil? Oh, it's great. Uh, that Children's Medical Center is still there on 44. I've driven by it 100,000 times. I've mm. seen it many, many times, you know, and it was it was uh, known for having some of the most severely handicapped uh, uh, children. And he mentioned at the start of the video, we can't show a lot of these folks, you know, for, for little reasons. But then at the Tulsa Boys Home, they opened it up. Uh, there's a uh, at the Children's Medical Center at the Tulsa Boys Home. There's a kid wearing a you know red T-shirt says Owasso on it. That is like right there by uh, you know North Tulsa. This, so he's in the area. Um, and like Terry said, the storyline is you're showing he he's not a heel. He's a good guy. Yeah. And obviously they're going to push that for a while. They wouldn't have done this. But then also. They're out there doing. They rarely did go visit these kids, and yeah, in great. real life, it was a real thing. You know, it was a good thing they did. Sure, yeah, absolutely fantastic. I'm sure that 
those sort of things you'd feel that the kids you know both location i'm sure that was you know something that stayed with them you know forever so yeah good on him for doing this or doing that and um, so there was one final local promo from ross and in walks ted dibiossi the new north american champion with the beautiful belt just a superb belt and we, we talked about this before that i the AEW belt is just a complete ripoff of the North. It's basically like if you've got the North American title, got the IWGP title from New Japan, put them together. It's still quite, it's still really nice, but it's just to- total, total Mid-South uh, influence there. Um, so DBS said he'll be up against Jim Duggan in a non-title match. And they show a solid promo from Duggan first before back to DBS, who I just thought was great again here. He talks about freeloaders, beer belly freeloaders who are going to have to pay to see him beat Duggan rather than watching on TV. Phil, what did you think of this uh, DBOC promo? Well, uh, as we know, this was one of Terry's all-time favorites, and we mm. mentioned this this belt and this look, and he pulls it off so well. that, yeah. And he compared him to Ric Flair doing something similar. Um, you know, this suit looks so much better than the, than the white coat and tails did. But uh, <laughs> yes. something that – think about how fewer – belts back then we had seen you ask us before in the past what have been some of our favorite belts mm. there been there were so few promote so just like we'd seen less wrestling back then like everything we're watching back then hogan hadn't done his thing yet yeah we hadn't seen the rock we hadn't seen austin we hadn't seen all these things so some of these are making a much more bigger impression than they do now but i'm sitting there watching this promo and i'm looking and every time I look at the belt, it seems to be a little bit bigger. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's great, but I love it. It was one of my favorites for sure. Just fantastic. What did you think of this, uh, Terry? Well, you know, again, back to my heterosexual man crush on DiBiase. I mean, the, the dude in a suit with the belt on his shoulder, with the Band-Aid on his forehead. Yeah. From the, from yeah. The yeah. I mean, he's the coolest. Uh, one thing about the, the, this belt uh, – I always preferred the one before the mm. older one, but the more I see this one, uh, the more I like it. And I'm, I'm literally following two or three people selling them on eBay. Really? Well, and, well, actually, and, are, they, are they replicas or originals, you know? They're, they're replicas. Okay, yeah. But see my sports memorabilia, and I've got the, the old NWA title. I'm really coming really, really close to, to pulling the trigger and, no, and you, having, having those replicas. You, you've got to do it. So my, my, I don't know if I've told this story in the podcast before and I'll, I'll keep it quick, but my first ever WrestleMania trip, I was 19 and I, I didn't know what I've, I was clueless. Um, I, I've got on a plane with a friend to Houston and went to uh, WrestleMania at the Astrodome and they had like a fan festival thing on the Saturday. And that was the first time I'd ever seen in the flesh, the replica WWF world title belts in there. And I, I can't remember how much it was. I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot any day, but it was certainly a lot for, as a 19-year-old. And I remember I had a, had with me for emergencies a credit card that I was I could sign on my dad's credit card, basically. So it wasn't my credit card; it was his. So whatever I yeah. spent on that, obviously, he's going to see. So I did. I didn't do the bad thing and just handed it over and and uh and you know and worried about it later i did i did the honorable thing which was do a reverse charge phone call from houston to my at the, at the access the fan festival to my dad and asked him whether it was okay and i said i'll i'll pay you back dad i'm working now you know it'll only take me you know four or five months to pay you back and that belt's upstairs now but I, the problem with it is just, you need, you, need a, you need a display cabinet or, or some sort of shelf or something for it but i it's really difficult to know what to do with it because it's, it's, a, it's a whole it's a big old lump of uh 
Love yeah. the stuff. And thank and thanks to the good people at the World Wrestling Federation. That belt was only the one they used for about another probably 10 or 11 months after that. So thank you very much until they, they unified the titles and gave it up. So yeah, thank you very much. The one I would really like is the old bit after this, the Hogan belt from 87, the Winged Eagle. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. the North America, I'd love the North American title as well. I always get this vision of like, uh, if I've won the lottery, I'd have like a real massive like cinema screen TV and in the background would be all the belts, like UFC belts, old wrestling belts, all of that on yeah. the wall. So all the stuff that I could never win myself. Um, so yeah. last up this week, we have Jake the Snake Roberts. Sorry, Terry, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, real quick. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I don't, any, you guys get on TikTok. Uh, but there's a guy that I follow on TikTok. I wish I could remember his name, but he has all these belts. But ah. the, the cool thing is he'll have a display. Hang on. Sorry. So I can, guys- see you. Yeah, I can see you. Yeah, I can he'll have a display and he'll have the actual belt. He'll have like a picture. For instance, if this was, this was the North American title, he would have a picture of DiBiase holding it. Then he'd have like the DiBiase action figure with belt. (laughs) But he's got all of these. It's amazing. I'll try and find it and send you guys a link. Yeah, please do. I'd love to have a look at that. But yeah, you talk about having a room just for that stuff. Yeah, I'd be very, very, very jealous. Uh, very yeah. jealous, but I would like to see that. Yeah, I, ju- I just wish, I just just wish. My, we'll, I'll keep playing the lottery and fingers crossed one day. Um, <laughs> so last up, we have uh, Jake the Snake Roberts versus Tim Horner. Um, so for very little, well, this is the second week running, so very little TV time remaining. Roberts got back on top. Um, but then we had another time, a TV time limit draw. So two weeks in a row. Um, and, and the show went, literally went off the air with Horner rolling up yeah. Roberts, but no no finish. Um, Terry, what do you think of this in terms of the, what you know, this is an, an unusual. They've done it a couple of times before, but now they've done back-to-back weeks of this. Yeah, t- typically they would do it with a match that was a little bit more competitive. Mm. And so you have to go to the arena and pay to see it. Uh, with with this one, everybody would just assume Jake the Snake's going to get the win. Yeah, you know. So so I just think they were really really in crunch time, and uh, I guess they give Tim Horner a little bit of a rub because he doesn't get beat. Yes, yeah. What do you think, Phil? Of this? Uh, I mean, there's only probably a minute or so to comment on here, but what, what did you think of the way they did this? Well, yeah, a few comments on that, and it was, and to Terry's point they cut it right as Horner rolls up Jake, the snake and the referee Mm. starts to count and you don't even see how that pinfall ends. Now I've mentioned this before. We had been watching this exact ending for years, watching WCCW. Of course they're showing arena shows. They're showing Mm. not TV tapings, but arena shows. Well, all their TV tapings were arena shows. They didn't have this. So they would go, uh, they'd always leave, you wondering who won that last match but like terry said it was usually a much bigger match um and this was classic jake the snake Uh, you know anytime he gets to in the middle of a match and somebody starts getting some offense on him gets knocked to the ground he does his old uh slither backwards out of the ring on his knees he he always does that um uh, same look. I think that's the same pants he's wore every week. I mentioned before the, <laughs> the pajama <laughs> but, buttons. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But they did mention with TV time limit remaining. They knew they were close. The news close to the end. So obviously they're doing it on purpose now. And I think yeah. maybe they've, but it makes it look more, more genuine. It adds some credibility. Yeah. yeah I agree. You know, it's interesting they do they do something on so i keep talking about aew so, so you know, aew is new japan's only real like modern day wrestling i watch but they do a thing where 
all of their world title matches 60 minute time limits and they've not had a 60 minute time limit draw as of yet so i guess they'll you know they i like time limits because you can always use that to get out of something if you need it whereas wf haven't really ever had time limits but they 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 will start their world title match on dynamite at say what would it be for you guys so it's eight till ten so say 20 past nine it goes off there at 10 and they'll say you know if this match goes beyond the top of the hour TNT will right. stay with it, but you know they know that it's you know it's a twenty minute match or whatever. But that's so right. that's so, really every time they do that, that reminds me of Mid South. So I'm like, Bill Watts would put his championship match in the middle of the show, so it's got right. the time to happen, you know, to, time time to to happen, and then you have something at the end. You know, we've got two minutes. You know, have a match, whatever t- TV time limit. So yeah, it, you're completely right. It does make it more legitimate sports like, doesn't and it? And that Certainly. was something that was, uh, if you noticed, and then we talked about the length of matches before, but the DiBiase Armstrong match went over ten minutes. Yeah, I think that's the longest more than I've ten seen. minutes in the. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So that is it for the January 19th, 1985 episode of Mid-South Wrestling. And very enjoyable and newsworthy, I thought. Um, so Terry, what are your final thoughts on this uh, this week's episode? Uh, great episode. Uh, some good action. A title change. At almost two ch- titles. Almost two, change. yeah. Right. Uh, right. The, the promos, uh, the, the home uh, the home market promos, you know, added added to it. Uh, just just a great episode. And and. Uh, Thanks for letting me watch it again. No, I, I, it was great. I thought, what did you think, Phil? Yeah, almost two title changes during an era where title changes were very rare. They didn't happen a lot. Mm. And certainly not on television, ever. They weren't on television. You had to pay to see that. I'm wondering what happened to the large monetary fine that used to be enforced for bringing in foreign objects uh, to the ring, like the, uh, the the Guerreros, and even so that was. It's probably uh, not on the banned list, though, is it? That's the thing. It's not yeah. on the banned list, so it they wasn't might on add the that. List yeah, tennis rackets and chairs and things, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Good, good show. This was a good one to get to watch again. Yeah, this is this is one, of the, and I think I think actually I, I, around the Christmas time, and I guess it's you know it's probably reasons for you know wrestling always falls off a bit around Christmas. But I thought that creatively and star power wise, the promotion was starting to suffer a little bit because we've obviously had a lot of transition during '84, and there'll be more coming '85, and you know a new set of stars. But this crew with Reed as a babyface and and DiBiase back in there full time, and um, and Duggan obviously as well. It, you know, I think this this it's it's all starting to move nicely in the right direction again um so thank you very much both of you again as usual it's been great fun um i'll be keeping everything cross for you later terry and the score will be the first thing i check when i wake up tomorrow morning so because uh, it'll be like three in the morning by the time it's finished here or something so i very much hope that um hope you guys uh you guys do do the job as my as the mid-south moments official adopted nfl team for the for the playoffs so fingers crossed that brings right. you some luck and um, where, where where can guys people where can people find you online if uh you know twitter etc who jump in first if wants to go uh, well, coach canova uh, i think is my my twitter name I, i'll always tag myself on you guys so yeah we'll I'm tag a, you in yeah coach canova and uh, who that and all that other good stuff. I'm starting to bite my fingernails. <laughs> it's, getting, it's time for him to go, Stephen. He's going to stroke out. He's just fixing to turn to walk away right there. I can see uh, it in his face. How many hours yeah. have you got to go? Is it about? It's about another two two hours to kick off. Is it? Uh, or three? Yeah, about uh, four. 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 Wow. <laughs> 
Good luck. You need another project the next four hours. It's, yeah, it's, these uh, uh, these these two quarterbacks are so old. This ought to be shown on the History Channel. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, Terry, I can say that uh, Coach Terry is a is a real life coach. On Facebook, he uh, posts pictures of his teams and, and and some of the winnings. I'm a I follow uh, uh, Mid Moments. Uh, you'll find me at at blue eyed drummer but it's spelled funny i'll never you'll never see it so just look for his friends if you want to follow me yeah i will tw- i will tweet out just as as i, I apologize if you caught any coughing now i just some water went down the ex- exactly the <laughs> wrong pipe just for finishing the podcast yeah. so perfect timing gents thank you very much we'll speak again soon i'm sure thank you Good great week thank you very much for listening to the show if you've enjoyed it why not head over to Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button, follow on Spotify or press whatever you need to where you listen to this show to receive the episodes as soon as they are released. We love reviews at Mid-South Moments, so why don't you make my day by leaving a five-star rating? Also, if you're interested in guest hosting in the future, please do reach out at Mid Moments on Twitter and I look forward to speaking with you all again very, very soon.